Welcome to Postcast. David Locke along with Ron Boone after D'Angelo Russell takes the spotlight away from Rudy Gobert's return. And the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Utah Jazz. Another feisty, forceful night by the Jazz, but not enough to pull off the win. We're talking about it on Postcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. David Locke along with Ron Boone. We bring it to you after each and every Jazz game live here on YouTube and available for you on podcast afterwards. Uh, Ron, let's just start off with Rudy Gobert's return. That was obviously the headliner of the night, and frankly to me, uh, Rudy Gobert showed the dominance that gave him a lot of wins in this building for the Utah Jazz. The Jazz took two shots at the rim in the first half of the entire game. They did get six in the third quarter, but frankly I think most of those were Nas Reed was in the game. Uh, Rudy was a complete force tonight, the way he bent the Jazz shot chart, the way we've talked about for probably not nine years, probably seven of his, or six of his career years. Time Other teams' shot charts were always bent. The Jazz got theirs bent tonight. Yeah, his presence obviously made a big difference. It made a big difference in the Jazz getting to the rim. It made a big difference in, in, with, with the, um, the Wolves being able to play that very tight perimeter defense there as well because once they were able to break the plane, it was only so far they could, they could go. And then, as you mentioned so many times, that mid-range game uh, just wasn't there for the Jazz to the point where they could um, – uh, really make a big difference, you know, with R- Rudy sagging in the middle. Jazz uh, trailed by four at the end of one, then really got blown out in the second, in, uh, or down 61-46. They then fought back nicely in the third, outscoring them 33-21. We went down the clutch in the fourth quarter. The Wolves have been great in the clutch this year. They're 7-2 and two in clutch games, and they've been great because of one guy, because Carl Anthony Towns has been terrible in the clutch this year. Anthony Edwards has not been very good. Uh, the numbers on these guys are actually pretty stunning. This year, Anthony Edwards in the clutch is shooting 33%, 25% from three. Carl Anthony Towns was shooting 27% and 0% from three. Well, they didn't have to go to Carl Anthony Towns anymore, and they didn't involve Anthony Edwards. They went to the one guy that's been great for them in the clutch all year. Coming in, D'Angelo Russell, 53% for the field and 50% from three in clutch, and he went to another level. He hit six threes, all of them off the bounce threes in the fourth quarter of this game. All many of them in the clutch to win it for Minnesota. Many thought that Anthony Edwards wants, uh, that this was, he was going to have a great year. I mean, who says? He's probably still going to have a great year, but I don't think he is the player or that uh, Russell is. Russell plays a little smarter, I think, out there on the floor and probably a better consistent shooter on the offensive end. Uh, but tonight he showed that. Knocking down threes, didn't have a three until the fourth quarter. Uh, didn't even score in the third quarter, but he let loose at the fourth. It's been a great clutch play. If you go back when he was in Brooklyn, he makes the all-star team because of how clutch he was late in games, then gets traded to Golden State. And this part of the Andrew Wiggins trade that actually got probably Golden State another championship. Um, and Minnesota now has D'Angelo Russell as their point guard and are pretty much married to him after the Rudy Gobert trade. Uh, he's a 31% off-the-bounce three-point shooter, and he goes six for six on off-the-bounce threes. Do you just tip your hat and say he was that good, or do you get frustrated about this one? No, you just tip your hat and say he's that good, because I thought he did a great job of setting, putting himself in a position to where he could get that off-the-bounce threes, knowing the zone, knowing um, uh, you know who's closing out maybe, and, and the angles on, on the uh, that he was going to have to that he was going to be able to get his shots off for you know with. Uh, but, you know, six for six on the three-point line, and that's just some great shooting. All right. The Jazz changed this game in the third, largely because they go to the zone defense. What do you see there? 
I thought, and, and the reason I was asking, you know, Tim Lacone about that, because that, as you mentioned, that you can stay in that zone a little bit too long sometimes. And, and obviously, as smart as Russell is, he figured things out to the point where, you know, if you're sagging and uh, you, you get behind Rudy Gobert, who's setting up a very high pick there at the three-point line, you're going to be able to get that shot off. And he was able to do it. Um, the zone is working. I thought it was working for the Jazz. They did a great job. But they go to the zone out of necessity. They have to go to it to, you know, to change up some things and because this is not a very good perimeter defensive team. You mentioned so many times tonight about Beasley getting beat off the dribble, and, and that caused some problems. Alex Jensen said to at halftime, I said, you know, their half-court offensive rating, Minnesota's half-court offensive rating at halftime tonight was a 128, which is outrageously high. And I, I asked Alex at halftime, he says, we're just getting beat off the dribble too much. We're just getting beat off the dribble. And the only way to answer getting beat off the dribble all the time was to go to the zone defense. Yeah. You, you get beat up, you get outscored 33 to 22 in that second quarter, and, and that really separated the team. Put a Jazz team that, that every ball game has to fight to win, and you get them playing uphill and you're shorthanded. Uh, it, it really makes a big difference. I'll tell you what, I still feel like this game matches to who the Jazz have been all year in all the positive ways. Like, I, I texted Alan Horton, who's a very close friend of mine, the Wolves play by play announcer. I, I, I texted him in the middle of the third, you, you should be up 20. Like, yeah. I, I, I thought, and I said to you, actually, at one point in time, to be totally frank, I, I said, if Minnesota loses this game, they suck. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I just thought they had outplayed us. And, and my, here's my point on it. Let me make sure I'm being, I'm being a bit flippant. But if you're outplaying a team, you should be good enough that you stretch it out on them. That's the sign of a really good team. I would be, I was, if I, from Minnesota's standpoint, a bit concerned throughout this game. That I thought they were just really outplaying us. They outplayed us in the first. They certainly outplayed us in the second. And then yet the Jazz kept hovering at seven. Like the call was that they were huffing and puffing. They were just hovering. And the next thing you knew, the Jazz went on that 8-0 run to be able to get themselves to tie the game. And to me, if I'm Minnesota, I don't love that that happened. That's a little concerning to me if I'm there. I'd be a little concerned there as well and probably upset with my team, too, if I was a coach of the Minnesota by the way the Jazz were playing. But if you think back, David, the Jazz don't get blown off the floor too often. They just continue to fight regardless of who's out there on the floor and then all of a sudden get a surge and they're back in it, you know, that type of thing. So you you concerned with Minnesota thinking, okay, we should have had this, blown this team off the floor, but you have to compliment the Jazz on how they continue to and fight. And thank you, because that's actually where I started that comment. I just got lost in my own head, which is not unusual. Um, but that was my point. It was where I started this was this was a very, to me, like a Jazz basketball game. They, this is what this Jazz team has been. They fight. They're, they're they're relentless. They stay engaged. They, they don't get down. They don't get flustered by the moment. They play each play. It's all the signatures Will Hardy's built into this team, I think, showed again tonight. And frankly, if D'Angelo Russell doesn't go six of six and three in the fourth quarter, the Jazz probably win this game. Probably win it. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about that as well. I mean, those three-point shots really separated the uh, – or kept the well, – yeah, they did separate the Jazz surge that they had there in that fourth quarter to the point where – that's some dancers down here on the floor um, – that to the point where – it's it just, it didn't take the air out of the Jazz because he did make some big threes. But they just kept fighting and a turnover here, I think. Well, I think we had a turnover, didn't we? Yep. Something like that that really hurt. All right, two big, uh, two storylines also from a Jazz standpoint before 
Uh, I'm not talking about Rudy's last play was stupid. There, it was just dumb, unnecessary. Rudy can't help himself. He just makes a play. <laughs> he just does stuff to make everyone in the league hate him, and he did it again. I, 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 I love the guy. I, I actually said on our broadcast, I thought his nine-year career was capsulized in one full night here. He was dominant. He got the win. He was probably the best player on the floor with all the subtle ways. You don't notice it. And then he did something at the end of the game to make because ev- he can't help himself to make everyone have to, like, not like him. Like, I, I don't know why he does these things. It's beyond me. Um, 22 points. Uh, Rudy had 22 points, 13 rebounds. He was great. Two players on the Jazz I think are worth talking about. Walker Kessler gets his second start tonight. Goes over 20 minutes again. He had a really tough first stretch. He got three fouls almost immediately, but he finished with 8.7 rebounds. Your thought on Walker tonight? Well, he's learning, and, and you can see his brilliance out there on the floor of, of wanting to learn and get better. We watch him work out before the ball game. And what I really like, though, when we watch the, 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 the drills and things that the, the coaches are taking them through, and then you see it on the floor during the course of the basketball game. And that that's a, tells you that the guy's working very hard, trying to learn and, and try to be the best player. And that he can be out there on the floor. Didn't get a block shot tonight, but neither did Rudy Gobert. That's interesting. All right, Mike Conley returns tonight. That's probably the biggest story, actually, for the Jazz. He plays 24 minutes, 17 points, 6 assists, and he was outstanding. Like, if you want the bright spot for the Jazz tonight, Mike Conley was back and looked like Mike Conley, and we've desperately missed Mike Conley badly over the last nine games. Yeah, that three he hit the tie to ball game was awesome. I mean, the fans are just totally thought that they were going to win the ball game, <laughs> but you know he, he's a clutch player. Uh, he's just again just so smart out there and for and very much under control all the time with with his game. Not to kill Alexander Walker. I don't know what his line finished at, uh, but I thought he played a really good game. They're asking a lot out of him to play the starting point guard tonight. Eleven points, four rebounds, four assists. There were not cringe moments in that. When we've had other players playing point guard since Mike Conley's come out, there have been some really cringe moments, like, ooh, cringy play. There were not cringy plays tonight by Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I thought he played under control and, and conducted the game well. I think, David, that his minutes are not going to diminish. Uh, I think he's going to be demanding time. Uh, I'd really like his defense, not afraid to uh, shoot. Um, and so when you have a player like that and you don't lose any any momentum or everything when he's out there on the floor, that, that makes a difference. All right, two stars tonight. Ron Boone, where are you going? Well, man, you have to go with Conley coming off and having such a huge impact on the basketball game. And then, you know, Malik Beasley was or he had it going on. And, but defensively, he, he struggled st- there a little star bit. That first I didn't. Half. I didn't give it to him. Okay, <laughs> I I'm just saying I, I can't start that. First I didn't But I, the other one was probably uh, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Oh, that's interesting. Jared yeah. Vanderbilt, who only had one offensive rebound in his last three games, had five tonight. Twelve points, ten rebounds. I was going to go Nikhil Alexander Walker as my second star. That's a good one as well. All right, yeah. Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander Walker for me. Mike Conley, Jared Vanderbilt for Ron Boone. We'll be back with you tomorrow from Denver. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, we're getting hot.